Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting fire hose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week, we vent about the news, go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we'll end with something hopeful. And just a reminder, if you're enjoying us, to rate, review, subscribe, recommend us. We're on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I think you can rate now on Spotify. Um, and if you want to support us more, you can throw us a few dollars on Kofi, K-O-F-I, and we'll use it to support our software and hardware needs. Love it. Why yeah. stop there? Give us $40,000. <laughs> you know, I could find a few things to do with $40,000. We have need, We have other needs outside of soft <laughs> and hardware. <laughs> All <promise>. the wares. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do, yeah, we'll do what's right. Um, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Welcome, welcome. Yeah, we're gonna, you know, today we're just, we're gonna talk about Harry and Meghan. <laughs> Prince. That's or I Prince guess Duke Harry. or, I don't Dutch know what we're, Howard. I was referring. about to be like, Duchess? No. <laughs> we're referring to Dutch <laughs> Harry tonight. Uh, the Sussexes. Yes, 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 yes. But first, um nursing strike in new york yeah. why uh <clears throat> <laughs> why is that happening i've seen some most of what i've seen on social media has been supportive of it partially because i went to nursing school in new york so <laughs> <laughs> getting a, a specific view sample uh, size <laughs> yeah yeah a little skewed uh, thing but i have seen some narrative that it's like they're letting people die because they want more money mm. um no <laughs> mm-hmm. The, the major, I mean, there there are negotiations for higher pay, but the, the big uh, pain point is the staffing numbers uh, because they have really dangerous ratios of nurses to patients that are outside of what the hospitals have agreed to. So basically mm-hmm. Mount Sinai, other hospitals have agreed to X amount of patients per nurse, and they have just not been enforcing that in any way. So then you're a nurse, you come up to your shift, you've got 15 patients, that's like four minutes per patient per hour, it's not safe for the patients, then you you know, it's, it's a fucked up situation where you can't do your job. So that's the essence of, of why they are striking is that they already came to an agreement mm-hmm. on safe staffing, the hospital's not holding that. And they've got like hundreds, if not thousands, of job postings open that they're not actually filling. Mm. Um, and they're allowing these um, assignments to go improperly staffed, which hurts everybody. So that's sort of the uh, spark notes of, of what's going on over there. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm glad that you brought that up because I've seen it kind of passing by on the news mm-hmm. and it feels like as with many sort of union labor issues, management can kind of hold it over them. Like, mm-hmm. well, you're harming patients. You're harming, like, mm-hmm. you're selfish. You're, They're making millions of dollars. Like, leadership, yeah. that's another point. It's like in Mount mm-hmm. Sinai specifically, leadership is making literally millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I can glean uh, from the protests, not really responding productively. So we'll see what happens. But Yeah. Ugh. Fingers crossed. I mean, I thought it was so scary in one of the 
brief articles I was reading where some of the, just some of the anecdotes are awful. Like that, you know, there was, it, it, it comes down to patient care really mm-hmm. that they, like you said, four minutes per. People um, will die that don't need to die. Yeah. Like someone said, one of the nurses said that it took them three hours to notice that this man who was sort of like keeled over had, was like having a heart attack, like three, mm-hmm. because they had too many other patients that they were dealing with. And yeah. Um, Think about it. if you have 15 people to take care of, you can't objectively really notice if one of, unless you happen to be in the room when certain things, it's, it's so unsafe. Um, and then it's your all, it's also your license on the line if certain things happen. So it's not only something that goes against why you went into the field in the first place, trying to take care of people, but it also potentially puts you at risk. So it's just sort of this nobody wins scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and patient, you know, hospitals are overrun right now uh, with patients due to the triple demic. It is real. Mm-hmm. It is happening. Here we are. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, and the nursing shortage and nurses are burnt out and they're out of the, they're, they've gone, mm-hmm. <laughs> they've gone on the field. Um, and yeah, it's, it's not a, it's not a great way to run things and it's, and they do have the money and they do have the means to correct the problem, but greed is preventing that. So that is why the nurses are, and they, they fucking, the reason there's all those pizza signs is because mm-hmm. anytime there is like the sense that nurses are upset, management throws a pizza party. Oh, wow. Or they provide pizza for like lunch or dinner to try to be like, oh, hey, we care about you. Here's pizza. They, it's like a thing across like specialty across like uh, they provide pizza and like pizza is nice but only if you already have like safe staffing numbers it's right you know we like they don't want the pizza right they're they don't have time to eat the pizza because they have 15 patients some of which might be dying and they have no idea because they have 15 patients um right so which just like for perspective, like ICUs, like the most uh, medically fragile patients often have a one-to-one ratio, one patient, one nurse. Wow. So when you have units um, and med surge, it's more like maybe four to five patients per nurse, but 15 is fucking, no one wins. There's no way, even if you think you can prioritize based off of who is in the worst shape when you get there. What if one of someone that you thought was in good shape starts to downturn? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's no way to live. Um, no way to do your work and people have, and will continue to die. So that's so why scary. the nurses are striking. They don't just want a bunch of money. They want to not, you know, see people die unnecessarily and they want more than pizza. Oh my gosh. Oh, that was such a great summary. Damn. I hope they get what they deserve, what they want, what they are requesting. It's (laughs) it's so common sense to have fewer patients per nurse. um, And they just have to pay more money for it and they don't want to do it. But Blame. Again, they're making millions of dollars leadership. So (laughs) yeah, figure it out. Figure it out. Fix it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, um, Excuse me, just burped. Um, I didn't even hear it. Wow, ghost whoa, burp. whoa! Uh, over the week weekend, I guess Kevin McCarthy became speaker in a humiliating uh, display of failing up <laughs> after um, after how many votes? Fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> and then he he had champagne wheeled into his office. 
I which is like what the champagne is just like you embarrassing embarrassing man oh my god just everyone I encourage everyone to go listen to the daily that just like talked about his whole political career which has been an exercise in cowardice and catering to the most right wing in his party so this is a hundred percent what he deserved (laughs) yeah 15 15 rounds is that a record yeah Mm-hmm. I thought so. Like, well, who knows? <laughs> We're just continuing to like bowl through unprecedented times, unprecedented Love and that. Wow. historic record seeking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, brokenness. So, and he has now um, caved to most of the demands of like Matt Geitz and the far right. So, mm-hmm. basically, at any time they can call a snap vote. One person, one member of this like <laughs> volatile Congress can call a vote to oust Kevin McCarthy. So he has no power and honestly, probably no ability to whip his very narrow majority to get anything actually passed. So um, that will be interesting to see. We'll see what happens there. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Biden has had classified documents revealed to be a bunch like at least two different locations which said which he said he was surprised about who Um, put them there is that what kamala's been up to oh my oh where's kamala where the hell has she been we i've been wondering this for years maybe she's just been like popping little documents here and there Honestly, like this, it seems like being vice president has been like the worst thing for her in her career, actually. I I don't know what she's up to. I don't know what they're doing with her. Um, Question question mark. But yes, Biden and his classified docs. Oopsies. Yeah, yeah. It's just, and I guess these are files from when he was vice president. Um, Look. Is it great for this to happen right as we're going into a, you know, Kevin McCarthy controlled Congress? No. But um, as you've pointed out, and I, I, I'm I, seeing that the New York Times also has a breakdown of like yeah. what is different between Biden and uh, Trump in terms of uh, classified documents. And I mean, Sparknotes seems to be that like uh, Trump continue to ignore requests from the national archives he intentionally took things out but mm-hmm. again whether it was malice idiocy or just like you know the normal trump there's no right. real consequences for any of his behavior so why wouldn't he just take things and like show them to people in his mar-a-lago office um yeah. regardless like both trump and biden having classified document issues recalls for me the great injustice of our fucking lives. But her emails. Am I right? You're so right. What if I was like, no, something else. No, I don't. Who's Hillary? I don't care about her. I'm not still. Not still hung up on it. Uh, <laughs> totally over it. Uh-huh. Um, low these we'll, we'll how many years? On. Seven years. Are yeah. we getting into the seventh year? None of us will move. I mean, some no. people haven't, but none of none of us. None of us will move on. <laughs> and it, it, you know, it is a different situation, and I don't want com- like equivalencies to be made between Biden and Trump. It's it, mm-hmm. which I'm sure they have and will continue to be made. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which is not to excuse Joe Biden. You know, I'm I no. <laughs> 
Joe. Joe, Joe. (laughs) But some of the key differences from what I can understand are that one, Biden cooperated from the get-go and was like, oopsie doopsies. Right. (laughs) Right. Okay. Okay. Again, not like wonderful, Mm -hmm. um, but compared to Trump and his like, I didn't do it. What? What are you talking about? You know? Mm -hmm. And also the the scale of documents and um, in terms of like the amount and the um, intensity of what was contained within them. So it seems like which is, oh God, I, I hate to like excuse it, but it seems like Biden was like, oh, I got a few, got a few classified docs over here. Oopsie doopsies, which is terrible. Right. And like, even if you don't, aren't, you should be aware. Yeah. You know, it's not really an excuse to not be aware, mm-hmm. um, but it's not the same as Trump and his, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. It's all fine. What mm-hmm. documents, whatever. And he's got like, sh- Shabillions over at Mar-a-Lago. Totally. Um, so nobody's right here, mm-hmm. but it's not an equivalency either, right? From right. my understanding um, of what's come out so far. Yeah, I I think you're totally right. Um, so we'll just see. We'll just see how many more of these things keep coming out, we'll and see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what maybe, happens. Honestly, maybe Joe's sticky little ice cream fingers accidentally grabbed a couple extra pages, you know. <laughs> Oopsie. Uh, oh, God, oh I God. love I love and hate that man. If he were my neighbor or my uncle, I think I would really love Joe Biden. But as yeah. like, president, I'm, and he actually has done some, like, like his administration has actually kind of done a, f- a few good thing i don't know uh, joe like he's not uh, i'm gonna get flamed but i (laughs) i'm a very liberal person i don't think he's as bad as we purport him to be he could be so much better he could be so much better he's not the man i want to be there Uh, he's just the one we got he's the one we got and he's better than i think some of us give him credit for which again he could be so much better. Um, but yeah. I don't I don't think his administration is this giant fuck up that um, everyone thinks it is. Although many mistakes have been made. Yeah. I mean, it's more just like. Have you seen I, Pete Buttigieg's uh, tweets about bridges? There are so many bridges being helped now. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I saw that. I also saw him being kind of public today because, oh, my God. Did oh, you what did about- he do today? Well, because the FAA. I haven't seen anything today. <gasps> Oh my gosh, this is going to freak you out. Uh, (laughs) I know I probably should save this, but no, it's, you don't have any flights coming up. The FAA was ground, grounded all flights in the country for a few minutes this morning because, uh, there was some issue with their like system, LOL. What Um, system? What system? A safety system. (laughs) All plane? (laughs) Yeah. That was resolved. It was resolved. Or... It was apparently like it's an automated system that lets them know about any We're hazards fine. in the air, <laughs> any like things, any runways that are closed. So it's sort of an automated thing, apparently. But, but um, all planes had to yeah, stop? all planes, <laughs> all planes were grounded. Oh, that makes me nervous. I know. Oh, I do wonder about how much you've been keeping up with our planes. Yeah. Uh, it's uh okay 
I'll just cool. have to put a pin in it, and I'll have to ask uh, Julie's husband, Arturo. I'm just going to call you, him out on the pod. <laughs> please circle back with me. I have a lot of flights next summer, and I want to mm-hmm. know what risk I'm taking. I, know. Um, I have a lot of flights this spring and uh <laughs> bitches be getting married and i'd support that but it's like i don't want to die in the sky no you none know? of us want that um, for ourselves or the people that are coming to visit yeah 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 so yeah, let yeah. me know about that let us all know maybe uh follow we'll back, back up on the pod yeah, uh, yeah. we can have arturo as a guest and oh my uh, gosh he can maybe. tell us uh if we'll die or not yeah, a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Keep us safe, sir. <laughs> oh my god. Um in the meantime, uh it looks like ethics investigators are potentially going to look into George Santos, which would be really really nice. Potentially. We'll see. Would be so great if that could if he could maybe I mean, he's not going to resign because he the type of person that lies about literally everything about themselves, their family, and their resume <laughs> is just never going to resign out of shame. But um, maybe he could be forced out. There's hope. Long Island. Long Island! Oh. <laughs> or I guess he's queen. he was Queens in the Bronx. Um, so I don't know how that's going to shake out. It's such a bummer. So close to AOC's district. It's like... And it was a close, it was close. So it was his lie, his lies literally won him this seat. Which is um, so gross. And that, I mean, there's so many people for who that's probably true that we don't even, we're, uh, we're a disgusting species. <laughs> <laughs> we're a fucking depressing I group of sack of flesh, ain't we? <laughs> um, you sent me something I thought was really interesting. Um, that Yiddy tweeted and yiddy is lizzo shaper brand um i'm pretty yeah that's the that's the one (laughs) i have worn in the past i'm a little i'm a little bit tall i'm not like super tall so this sometimes the snaps get undone um but that's neither i do remember uh, one such incident (laughs) yes 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 i was having a visit with a dear friend and i noted oh my my snaps have come undone, uh, neither here nor there. Um, but the, the what you sent me uh, from the Yiddy tweet that both of us I feel like formed a, a consensus that neither of us had seen things from this perspective perspective before or thought about things from this perspective before. Um, the tweet was: This may be a random time to say this, but it's on my heart. Cancel culture is appropriation. There was real outrage from truly marginalized people, and now it's become trendy, misused, and misdirected. I hope we can phase out of this and focus our outrage on the real problems. Um, yeah, I thought I thought that was a really interesting take, and obviously, generally, conversations about appropriation don't have to do with any any qualities with which I have <laughs> as a white. <laughs> As a white woman, like when yeah. I talk about, you know, cultural appropriation or I like speak out against it, like I'm not speaking for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, an, it, you know, I was like, oh, fuck, you know, yeah. like am I, am I speaking out of turn? Am I standing up for something I shouldn't be mm-hmm. standing up for because I don't understand the nuances of the situation? Like what is right? What is wrong? Um, 
And after thinking about that, I feel like my, my sort of takeaway is like, if something is very obviously fucked up, Mm -hmm. you know, like Prince Harry dressing up like a Nazi, we have sympathy for him and we'll circle back to him. Yeah. Um, But things like that, where it's like, ah, I think we could, we can all agree it's a fucked up thing. Um, But when it comes to things like, I don't know, someone appreciating someone else's culture by dressing up in a costume that is um, not necessarily, I I don't know. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Yeah, it is difficult. It's like if, you know, if you're dressing up in the, the garb of another culture in a way that is appreciative and is not coming from a place of mocking or a place of like, trying on this costume Mm -hmm. um yeah that's probably cool but also like maybe I shouldn't be the judge and it was an interesting sort of like putting people in their place because I think a lot of us come from a good place and like that's appropriation don't do that Mm -hmm. um but you know maybe it's up for the people within that culture to decide Um, but then it's like are we not being allies if it is an obvious overstepping of bounds and an obvious like I'm a geisha you know it's like yeah. there's certain things where it's like you see it and you, you're like that's fucked up and I yeah. know it's <laughs> fucked up and I, I feel it in my bones that this is a <laughs> fucked up thing to do um yeah so I, my my feeling because it is in line with how I already felt <laughs> is that if it's something where it is you know, it's kind of like that quote about like porn where it's like, I know it when I see it. Mm-hmm. It's like there are certain things where it's like, if you see it and it's just so obviously mocking of another culture, or mm-hmm. then regardless of whether or not you're within that culture, it's okay to call it out. But if it's not obvious, maybe it's not your place to speak on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my hot take. But again, that's a take I already had. So I just kind of <laughs> fit my own viewpoint that right back into what she had said. Oh, that's, that's so funny. It reminds me of this like New York Times um, cartoon or New Yorker cartoon that's a, a woman buying a book. She's at the bookstore and she's talking to the the guy at the counter and she says I'm looking for something that will validate all my existing beliefs without making me look narrow-minded. <laughs> Exactly. So if we're looking at it from that perspective, I feel like, yes, giddy. I am a white ally. I'm here for it. But really, I mean, it's like, I I do, you know, it's like, I feel like if I can't imagine any of our close friends like doing like a a wild appropriation of something. But if they did, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like, you know, when you see it. Yeah. If we're not, if you're not sure. Maybe it's not your place to say, but at the same time, I, I don't know. It's very complicated. And yeah, I don't know. Whatever you want me to do, Lizzo, I'll do it. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just, I yeah, I, I thought it was like interesting mm-hmm. to call cancel culture appropriation. And I yeah. thought that was a really interesting way to kind of throw, put it on its head a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. And I mean, even like the words cancel culture and the word appropriation, we hear a lot. So to kind of hear that sentence, it really stopped me in my tracks to think about like, oh, wow, I think there are a lot of um, people who are not marginalized, like who are using the term cancel culture and and weaponizing it like 
uh, or as Lizzo says, basically like misusing and misdirecting their Mm -hmm. energies and just kind of wielding this cancel culture, kind of this power of cancellation. Um, when I think there's a lot, there is a lot to be said for, uh, the, like name and shame of kind of the culture of the internet basically and Twitter and TikTok mm-hmm. and all these places where people can get a lot of clout by basically signaling one thing and and putting people down and not allowing there to be opportunity for dialogue or changes or for learning. Mm-hmm. Um, the internet can sometimes really not be about learning. What? <laughs> Although I will say one of, this is one of the reasons why I mean like fuck Elon Musk like I I learned a lot from Twitter I learned a lot and I I knew things that I disagreed with or mm-hmm. people who are very smart I could read their threads and say like ooh I I you know I want to save this I this is this is a really valuable perspective yeah. I hadn't considered a resource yeah yeah it was a resource so but I think that like she is getting it also like a, a big thing right now which is that. There are some really, really big problems mm-hmm. in the world. Hot take, um, wow. and we can get really bogged down in the like minutia of mm-hmm. people's mistakes, people's misstatements, people's like just like kind of getting tripped up or saying something insensitive that should be called out. Or and and I think that's part of like changing the power structure is mm-hmm. people feeling empowered to. Hey, say, hey, that was fucked up or, you know, you're making money off of this like thing that's traditionally, you know, Native American or whatever. I mean, one thing that's that I have thought a lot about, actually not, I have not thought a lot about it. I've just thought I'm confused (laughs) by. um, Circle back. Something that you wrote a PhD thesis on. (laughs) It's like um, a couple of years ago, uh, Campbell and I. uh, Campbell's who's Campbell for listeners my fiance Ooh! <laughs> um his uh stepmother taught us mahjong and we have really enjoyed playing and it's a four-person game and we got this like great t- they got us a, a really beautiful like game set for mm-hmm. um Christmas or something a couple of years ago and it's just been really fun but we uh, and there's a, a couple of different like websites and things where there are like rules and there's fun different tiles and sets. And one of the uh, websites is this like Texas based group, I think, of women. And it's the site is called like the Mahjong, Mahjong line. And they love playing Mahjong, too. And there's ch- um, Chinese Mahjong and there's American Mahjong. And I think they have been separate for like a very long time, like maybe mm. 100 years. So it's not like just Americanized like last week and people but so they are selling like kind of fun mahjong sets that have like a a, like a cooking theme so that it's like instead of the four you know normal uh characters on the mahjong set like there's like dragons and um, birds and bamboos or whatever the traditional one they had like bags of flour and like sugar and I don't know like a couple like and it's just kind of like wholesome they enjoy it they enjoy like they're manufacturing these mahjong sets but they got you know in a lot of hot water by people saying like this is cultural appropriation you're making money off of something that um basically that that you shouldn't be Um, and I kind of was like, well, I don't know about enough about this situation to like really be able to weigh in, but what, 
like, and I certainly am not the authority, but I basically sat hmm. with that situation and was like, I feel confused. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> and I think a lot of it is like, one, who is saying it's appropriation? Mm-hmm. Is it somebody who's actually tied to the culture of what we're talking about? Because if so, then it's someone to take seriously. Is it someone who has no fucking affiliation and they're just like, I'm here to cry out appropriation. It's like, well, mm-hmm. maybe still like listen. Yeah. Listen to their argument. Maybe they have a point to make. But um yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's like listen to people who are actually have a vested interest or an association with the product or with the idea or with whatever it is that we're talking about um, and see where they're coming from and then go from there. Because it's also, I mean, at a certain point it's fucked up to not celebrate other cultures Mm -hmm. too, you know? So it's like, we shouldn't also say like, Oh, we have no, not right, but like we we shouldn't look at uh, games or clothing or ideas from other cultures at all. That is bad. We must stay within our own cultures. I think it's about like what is your intent mm-hmm. and what are you doing with it? Yeah. You know, it's like are you playing this game because you enjoy it? Are you honoring the culture behind it? Um, if there is a culture behind it, are you trying to understand it? Are you trying to understand where it came from? Like, are you trying, you know, mm-hmm. like where, cause it's a very different thing to be playing Mahjong because you really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, and to try to understand where it comes from and to, you know, to sort of celebrate another culture that way versus being like, I'm dressed up in this way because I'm like a slutty little, whatever, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like there are very – and in some cases, I feel like it is cut and dry like that. And in some mm-hmm. cases, it's more nuanced. In those cases, it's like we got to listen to the people whose culture is being impacted by it. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, if someone – if somebody who identifies with a certain culture tells me something's fucked up, mm-hmm. I'm going to listen to them. Yeah. Um, but I don't think – I think part of like the beauty potentially of the human experience is coming together, trying to learn about one another, trying to experience the things that we experience, you know, mm-hmm. um, whether it's games we play or clothing we wear or foods we eat, you know, and I, I think there's some beauty to that. But, you know, it's also I grew up in SoCal where it was like people on Cinco de Mayo, like, mm-hmm. whew. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> if I went back in a time machine and looked at what my peers were doing yeah, and saying and wearing, it was not an appreciation of Mexican culture. It was... Right. It was... So, I think anyone who had <laughs> any definition of appropriation would be like, yep. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Mm-hmm. But that's different from enjoying a recipe from Mexican culture and be like, oh, wow, I really enjoy these foods. Mm -hmm. And let me look into where they come from and how I can, you know, it's, yeah, we don't have to live in silos. We have to understand where things are coming from, how we're utilizing them and whether we are stepping into stereotypes and creating like fucked up situations. Mm -hmm. Yep. I don't know. 
Thank you. As a white woman, um, it's so hard. In our little echo chamber. You know. You white women weighing in on Lizzo's comment about. Wow. We're so brave. Good for us. Wow. We really deserve everything. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Well, I mean, kind of on that, like, before we jump into our main topic. I know, um, I'm scared. <laughs> oh, don't, don't be. No, it, this is just, I just wanted to gesture at um, uh, a listener who, um, on Twitter. Has, yeah, yeah. His name's Mike Duff, Mike Uh-oh. D. Luffy. <laughs> Sorry, Mike D. Luffy. Um, and he kind of weighed in on what we said about how, um, Basically, the what do we say, boys? What men. do we say? What do we say? I'm like, what? What were what do we, we say, Mike? What do we say that he disagreed with? He said, um, you know, that he disagrees about boys and men being ignored. Um, it's uh, there's data that shows that younger men and boys are falling behind, and um, there are, it's a concerning thing. Um, and he said there's a book by Richard Reeves. To, um, called of boys and men that gets into that um mm. so i you know i'm interested in looking I'll it up take a look yeah i'm interested in looking it up um i'm sure that there like i i'm sure that it is a there's a persuasive case to be made considering how um they're like i mean teenage boys are, are there there are there's sort of like a path to radicalization that seems to to get to get them um mm-hmm. in different ways uh and so i i would be interested and i know that there are a lot of smart people that that do think that that's a real thing like scott galloway talks about it a lot um yeah. and sometimes sometimes he gets flayed for it so um but yeah and oh and then but he also he very nicely said and i'm just like struggling to find it on twitter um yeah, say the nice thing I <laughs> He said, uh, teen boys are indeed being ignored. I do think that sometimes you guys might need to do a bit more research on these things if you're going to make definitive statements on it. My, but he said, he said, my opinion, episode was great as always, though. Okay, sweet boy. <laughs> so he's, I, I, we appreciate you um, listening and like, re- you know, replying back with some uh people to check out on this and um we'll check it out maybe we'll do a whole fucking episode based on that i mean we could like you know i appreciate that response yeah Um, i i can't because that's the thing it's like i can't fully and nor can you speak to the experience of like a teenage boy in the Mm -hmm. country today um we can certainly look into the resources that that have been given to us but i would be really interested to see kind of what we we would pull from that um because it is something i'm very not morbidly but very interested in especially raising at this point a potato child <laughs> yeah <laughs> a very small girl oh she's so um, small and she's, so cute. she's so small she's very busy with her hats she has a um, bonnet she has a beautiful she's yeah she's the love of my life um but uh yeah that would be a really interesting thing to to look more into and to really dive into because it's it's something I'm interested in but it is obviously in in some regards foreign because I don't know any teen boys (laughs) (laughs) and I'm not soliciting here Uh (laughs) 
<laughs> I had nothing but bad experiences with teen boys, but that was when I was a teen girl. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I, I do. I also really appreciate that feedback. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I said, I think one of my responses was like, oh, yeah, there's, oh, I mean, there's always more research to be done for sure. And like, we yeah. uh, certainly don't come into each episode and each comment with like no we've never been like we are now the authority thank you no we're like we've done research and we're talking about things but there is always more to know more to learn and if we ever speak about anything where someone is listening and they're like no holler like let us know not you know we're both (laughs) just young gal or young i don't know i, I read there's a fucking meme that told me that 35 was middle age so like Ooh. how young are we yikes on the eve of your birthday too i know really- i'm not gonna be 30 i'm gonna be 32 i have three more years yeah yeah <laughs> three more years three more years until anyway. you're an old ripe old middle age girl you have a few months on me i don't want to hear this i know i have one <laughs> month so really i mean i have a, a whole, yeah you have a whole months. fucking year i was being I nice about you. it your i know it's next month but you gonna be 33 <laughs> I was being sweet. Oh, wow. Was that what that was? That's what that was. That was kindness and empathy. Oh, um, interesting. And, wish- and wishing you the best. Thank you. Many thanks and kind regards. Mm-hmm. You are mm-hmm. so welcome. You are so blessed. And, you know, I wish you nothing but but wonderful things. Um, but, no, That's I do so think sweet. that was lovely that they reached out and said that. Um yeah. And yeah, I'm, I think I'm gonna so do too. some like that inspires me. Let me do some research. I am also, like I said, interested. Mm-hmm. Like not just because I have a small potato child, like I spoke to, but like I want to know what is happening in the world and what like what the youth are up to. Yeah, you know, yep. not to sound like a shriveled old can of beans. <laughs> <laughs> Good God! Oh my gosh! Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's. Love- We'll have to circle. We'll have to circle back on. We'll this circle in a back. Episode. Thank yeah. you, sir. Thank you, Mike. Um, should we get into Prince Harry? Yeah, let's do it. But yeah, I feel like I need to preface this um, <laughs> based off of our pre-convo. Um, there's a chance I'm going to cry. I he talks a lot about his grief from losing his mom and I lost my mom at a young age. Uh, I mean, I was 19, but she got sick when I was 12. Uh, I had my own experiences with that and maybe I won't cry, but before Marie and I recorded this, I cried a lot, Mm. um, which I wasn't expecting. So I am, you know, and Maria with her editing genius, who knows, (laughs) (laughs) who knows, but um, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. So yeah. I'm just throwing, I think I'm going to throw that out there at the top that grief is a, is a wild beast that changes form throughout your life and never leaves you if it's a really intense loss and I might cry. And if I do, that's okay. But, um, just, yeah. uh, just a heads up there. Be kind. All right, let's go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Prince Harry has been in the news a lot because he, wrote a book and there's been the six part Netflix series, Harry and Meghan telling the journey of Mm -hmm. their love and then how they left the Royal family and moved to California. Um, Basically where they felt that they were left no choice, but to, to leave based on the uh, vicious racist uh, awful attacks on 
on Megan that were really unfair and um, so seemed unfair. to be perpetuated by people in the in the family and certainly mm-hmm. royal family and weren't stopped by them. Um, and such clear examples. Mm-hmm. Like, no opinion oh, yeah. needed. Yeah. No, no. Um, there's a lot of – if you're interested in the details, I, I don't really want to quote any of these Sun articles, but you can go look yeah. them up and look at the side. There's side-by-sides of how they deal with, for instance, like Meghan Markle's pregnancy versus mm-hmm. Kate Middleton's, and there's the you know a famous one where they were like, Kate loves avocados for her with her baby bub fueling her you know pregnancy and it was like megan megan's avocados are linked to human rights atrocities it's like literally that extreme and at least at least 25 examples of it and that's not a number i pulled out my ass that's a number that they stated in the documentary and Mm -hmm. it's exactly that kind of thing it's how they cradle their baby bumps it's them doing the exact same fucking action Mm -hmm. and kate being celebrated and megan being like chastised ridiculed for it to the point where she was suicidal which we'll talk about right Right. So basically there's been this huge, Harry's been in the press a lot because of this big press blitz and he talked to Anderson Cooper, which we, for 60 minutes, which we'll get into also. But yeah, so we're kind of just going to process what we've, what we see and what we think. And his book is called Spare based on the phrase air and despair, which like, was I one of the only fucking people who didn't know this phrase until recently? Like what a brutal thing to grow up knowing. (laughs) Well, yeah, and it was my understanding that his dad told him that, like, his brother was the heir and he was the spare. Yeah. And, like, woof. Like, and apparently a- he told We've his wife. We've all got wife, daddy issues, but woofy woof. Yeah. Apparently he told Princess Diana, um, like, you've done your job. Like, now I have an heir and a spare or something. And yeah. Harry, when he was asked about it, said, like, Anderson Cooper said, do you think he actually said that? And Harry said, you know. Yes, based on the the people who reported this quote and, you know, knowing my dad, I think he might have – it's possible it was supposed to be a joke, but, like, yeah, I believe that he said yeah, that Yeah, it's still shit that you said that I would, like – I mean, I'm not a British royal. And <laughs> I, I, I try to get away from saying I would have or I wouldn't have done this in their situation and when it's something so outside of my own life. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't have – I would have never fucking said that about my kids, and you wouldn't yeah. have either. And that's not yeah. something that, like, people who are loving – um what's the what's the best word competent uh normal human beings would say to their children it seems like something that would scar them potentially forever Mm um yeah and he's he just in the in the netflix documentary and like i read that there was all this backlash to it Mm -hmm. i don't personally know anybody who heard this and was like fuck them Mm -hmm. however apparently there was all this backlash which also like begs the question like who are the people like where is the backlash coming from who are these people who are actually upset about it Mm -hmm. is it media driven is it headlines how many people actually believe what the headlines are saying versus you know don't buy into it but the headlines are still saying it because uh, much of the both of the documentary the Netflix special and the 60 minutes uh, interview which wasn't a documentary it was an interview but they they both kind of <clears throat> addressed that and spoke to that mm-hmm. um, and it never felt like I, and I mean I've seen I will say I've seen on the internet really fucked up comments mm-hmm. 
um, about Meghan Markle and about Meghan and Harry from people who seem to be legitimate middle-aged people mm-hmm. commenting on articles. Um, but I've, <laughs> yeah. I, I've never known anybody who held those beliefs. Um, so that's one question I have. I'm like, who, who are these people that are, that really hate Harry and Megan versus how much of this is just the spewed up whirlwind um, that's been created by potentially William and Kate or daddy. Yep. It seems. Um, or really, Camilla. Or Camilla. Too. Yeah. Like people like it, it seems from what we've, what we've seen mm-hmm. that the um, the British royalty have their communications office and mm-hmm. they will leak stories to serve themselves. And it seems that Meghan Markle was, and not even seems that, you can look back. Mm-hmm. And when she was first on the scene, people loved her. Because, yeah. I mean, she she's a lovely person. She did all this, like, really beautiful philanthropic work a lot of which behind the scenes Mm -hmm. um and then people started hating her yep and it that that hatred again i don't know who these people are but that coincided with these headlines being released Mm -hmm. allegedly um by members of the royal family outside of of harry and megan and of course like you were mentioning there are these so many examples of these news stories where megan and kate we're doing the exact same, the exact fucking same thing, like holding yeah. their baby bump, having an avocado, like mm-hmm. ha- wearing an off the shoulder dress, like so many examples, 25 plus examples, actually. And Kate was shown to be like, oh, wonderful. We love her. And it's not to shit on Kate. Right. Uh, but, but Megan was. Fuck her. You yeah. know, like, how dare she this. Um, this diva mm-hmm. they love to call her a diva right um, just because she's an american actress like <sighs> yeah an american actress who's half black and mm-hmm. um it's uh, it's been it, it was an interesting thing to watch and i feel like the the hatred toward her came from both a place of racism um and a place of somebody trying to cover something Mm-hmm. you know and not wanting her to be so celebrated yeah um yeah. and it was gross but we also got to know harry and megan better as people mm-hmm. um and again some people were like they're using this as like a pr thing and but they were like their lives were their public lives were destroyed in a lot of of course they want to speak out and harry specifically especially in that 60 minutes interview was like you know the the royal family has gone behind each other's backs and leaked things to the press and talked shit about each other essentially Mm -hmm. those weren't his words um and i'm here speaking my truth in public Mm -hmm. to my name yep because I'm tired of it and I don't want my wife to go through it. And he was terrified of losing her mm-hmm. because she was suffering with like suicidality, extreme yep. depression. Um, and the parallels for, to which his mother went through in the eyes of the media mm-hmm. um, p- 
poor guy like he's the, the fact he wore a fucking nazi costume yeah asshole move never yeah. gonna like yeah i had an idea yeah and <laughs> apparently his brother told him it was a good idea and his yeah. william comes off like a real piece of shit yeah in this too <laughs> which like you can't bl- like if i wore a nazi costume i wouldn't be like my brother told me it was a good idea it's like that right. was always a bad idea but it's right. like he- oh god I-, I hate like publicly defending it because i don't yeah um there's never a time and in his life it's never it's never been okay at any mm-hmm. point in time to dress like a nazi for fun yeah no you no. know like we're all gonna say like harry that was a fucked up thing you did right um but who among us hasn't made bad choices and mm-hmm. he was so embarrassed so ashamed mm-hmm. um and his his brother encouraged him his brother also like apparently punched him to the ground he had like you know a laceration on his back from hitting a dog bowl and like mm-hmm. it's all a, a fucked up coral of things that that happened in that in that family it seems and i don't know yeah i think that like william comes off looking terribly awful like shit bag i know i mean kate seems like kind of an asshole too she it it makes me really sad because i remember being super into the idea of these two couples that are like cool in their own ways like i always think that kate middleton's style is really like nice and like Mm -hmm. it's conservative but it's sort of like how i wish that like I could pull off, you know, pants that are like, <laughs> like the way that hers look or the blazers. Or all and you so, look great in pants. And <laughs> uh, pants, pants look great on me. Um, I, so, and, and then Meghan Markle, I loved both of their styles so much and the way they mm-hmm. were different. And like Kate wears double-breasted jackets and Meghan wears the single. And Girl. Like, <laughs> well, like it's obvious. I mean, like when they're, <laughs> my Instagram for a while was like just the two of them and they're like indifferent, you know, it was inescapable for me. Yeah. Um, and I thought that it was really cool or very initially when I didn't know all this, like, you know, when it was 2017, 2018, and there were all these photos, I was thinking, oh, I really like the way Meghan Markle has all these, like, earth tones and neutral tones. She's just, like, really beautifully pulling off this, like, color palette. And then for her to say that that was intentional so that she wouldn't be upstaging anyone killed me because Mm -hmm. it made it seem suddenly, like, wow, that was a choice to, like, try to make yourself smaller or like blend in and be a chameleon when like, and so I'm glad that she's now back, like she's wearing bright colors and it just totally, it, no pun intended. Like it colored my understanding. Like that stood out to me so much like, Oh, you know, so being like, wow, that was a specific choice to like make yourself smaller and less who you are really like stuck with me, even though that's like, one of the most minor revelations in the whole documentary, but it's sad. No. It speaks to something else. She, I mean, the ways in which this woman was uh, just kind of taken down mm-hmm. um, and treated like shit in, I mean, in so many ways, like after they, de- after someone in the Royal family decided like, mm, she's got the limelight too much Megan, too much Harry. We got to take her down a peg. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it did to her and her self-esteem and um, 
yeah, just a really, a really disgusting, fucked up thing all around. And it was, I, I don't know how you felt, but when I was watching the, the like the Netflix documentary on it, I was, mm-hmm. I forgot how much they celebrated her in the beginning yes I did too I really did because I just remembered like oh my god they're brutal to this poor woman um what did she do and then when I watched I'm like she's a lovely person who Mm -hmm. is like genuinely spent her life working for like women's rights and this and that like she's a philanthropic wonderful woman um and I think I thought Oh, we, they they decided she wasn't immediately. Mm-hmm. No, they they went along with it for a while. They yeah. celebrated her like the UK celebrated her. They loved to see her come out. Um, and then at some point, when some allegedly, but you know, someone in the royal family leaked something, mm-hmm. they they stopped seeing her um, in that way, and they saw her as. And of course, always there were because of racism. <laughs> spoiler alert some people always saw her as an outsider um but it wasn't the the public understanding of who she was until right after or right around the wedding Mm -hmm. um and yeah this this poor woman like yeah having to deal with having her like her children called monkeys basically oh god yeah because her mother's black and um during the wedding stuff, like dragging, you know, her, making her ha- the whole business with her father was must have been so hard for her yeah. just on a personal level. And her her like half sister who she or her I guess it was her half sister's daughter. So it was her niece, like mm-hmm. the relationship with the, the girl who they decided like basically she she must have felt so influenced by the palace that she that this relation who she was close to couldn't come because of the situation with her father and her half sister who were selling her out for you know money tabloid money like easy which is just so yeah it's all it's all devastating I mean to your point about how like you haven't seen that many people like you know no one that we personally know are like oh fuck Harry and Meghan like I totally Mm -hmm. agree what I have seen though with people that I know is like healthy skepticism being like oh they're you know this is a whole media empire it's a bid to get a ton of money which weirdly I'm kind of like good for them for getting as much money as they can from this shitty situation like and I don't think it's what it is but if it was like that's that's their fucking right you know it's like the reason they're getting out of like the royal eyes because of like the threats against her and their children yeah, and I honestly, I feel like there's enough that's documented that there's enough documented verifiable truths that the gaps, you know, whatever the mis- whatever the the perspective of Will and Kate or his fa- mm-hmm. or Charles and Camilla um just seems so small whatever their little gripes are and yeah. they're welcome to speak out, but it it actually benefits them. Like they benefit from being silent and, and being like, we're above it. We're never going to respond. And then people are like, wow, look at them taking the high road when it's, so I kind of resent that there's there. They, by doing nothing, win like curry favor with a specific group of people who are like, that's going to look good to them. 
Yeah, it's like, that's not what, I don't, I mean, I can never speak <laughs> to their intentions, but, like, that's not what they're fucking doing. Yeah. You yeah. know? Um, and, uh, I will get into it. Uh, <laughs> A, a huge theme that I feel like we can't really talk about this without talking about is is Harry losing Diana and the impact that that had on him and on his brother and on everything. Um, I mean, partially because of the fact that the way his mother died was completely avoidable. She was basically chased down by paparazzi um, and died in that tunnel in Paris. And that didn't need to happen. And then just the role of grief and him being in the public life. And just, ugh, it broke my heart. Um, nope, not going to not gonna do it. Uh, but it broke my heart thinking about him and his brother having to comfort British citizens when they were still, like, so not even partway done with processing what has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, when you lose somebody that close to you, you don't. The next day, you're not even aware. Like, you can logically know what happened, but it takes a long time for your body and your soul to understand what has happened. And, like, watching them have to deliver flowers from random fucking people. Mm -hmm. No, Like, no shade to those people. You know, I think they had the, the best of intentions. But just having to be in public life in a way where your grief for your own parent is secondary to the public's grief. And then also mm-hmm. trying to understand Harry, how close Harry and William and his mother were. Mm-hmm. And then after she died is when the, like the brothers started to have sort of a drift apart and the family was never the same. And I, it's, it's this royal family, but it's this very like human, um, this very human experience that they went through. And the, I think for any sort of traumatic experience anyone can go through, obviously you don't fully understand it unless you went through it. But I remember growing up, I didn't really like grow up thinking too much about the royals. I remember Princess Diana. I had the Beanie Baby. Like I, I remember. <laughs> like I remember those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but what Harry and William went through, and how Harry, I feel like, was always treated like, oh, this this bad boy, this fucked up kid, um, mm-hmm. who was never really kind of given grace mm-hmm. for what he was going through in the morning that he was going through, and like yeah. watching him watching him in these in these interviews and these documentaries like oof tore me apart it was he was a hurting little boy who it was very clear no one took care of you know his mm-hmm. dad touched his knee and that was notable to him he didn't hug him when his mom died he touched his knee and he was like that was the most my dad ever gave me um and it's like, yeah, they have, you know, of course, there's a part of me that's like, they're royals, whatever, you know, they're they're going to be fine. But it's also like, these are, he was a young boy who spoke, you know, outwardly about how important his relation to his mother was and how, you know, important she was in his life. And 
losing her at that age traumatized him and it's and here's where I get into it like I you know my mom got sick when I was 12 and died when I was 19 and like I I have no idea who I would be if that didn't happen like there's this weight on your shoulders and there's this hole in your heart if it's somebody that you're close to when that happens and like it doesn't doesn't leave people think that grief is this process that you go through and then it's over and if it's somebody that close to you it's not oh it doesn't end it shows itself in different ways in your life and I can't imagine being in the public eye and going through that and trying to navigate that um I mean it it sounds impossible and the way that he was the way that we all saw him as this sort of oh bad boy doing this or that and the way that even the way that we as human beings can discount deep deep trauma that somebody goes through and judge them and not take into account these things that they've gone through I think is really gross I think that we are judgmental and don't hold adequate weight for that kind of shit um because that kind of thing, it doesn't, it never goes away. It, it destroys you in a sense and it holds, you hold on to that forever, you know? And, and I don't know. I feel like he was never, again, like the Nazi shit, like <laughs> son. Yeah. <laughs> Bad. For you sure. fucked up. But like yeah. the other, like, God, it's, I, I, as just human beings, like, I, I think there's a lack of understanding for the depth of of how loss can really can really impact somebody. And the, the God, the ways when I watched the 60 minutes interview with him, I was not I was on the couch with my dog, just like ooh, ready for my tea. I was not <laughs> expecting to just be like full out crying uh, <laughs> for the thing. Um, and of course, yeah, it's because I related and because of my loss but even if I haven't it's like why can't we have compassion for one another and why can't we try to understand even you can never understand what someone's gone through but you can try to and you can try to have compassion and why are we like as a culture and as a society immediately like coming at people for what they did wrong and not trying to think like hey this this person went through something really tough Mm -hmm. and they haven't healed from it and we need to have like a little bit of space for them and a little bit of um sensitivity for that like we we don't really do that we think like get over it it happened a long time ago and and someone who's gone through it will be like no you need more time than that but like why can't we all just meet people where they're at and understand that like even if he's like a prince Mm -hmm. like losing your mother in a terrible way as a kid is something that's fucked up and awful and he might carry that with him he's gonna carry that with him forever and like why can't we why do we have to be so judgmental and why can't we understand that because we all have shit we go through and why can't we understand that like other people go through shit and we're all human beings and 
just like the judgment. And of course, a lot of it has to do with racism towards Meghan Markle. But it just it make it just made me so sad to see the way that people treated them. Mm-hmm. Um, just no, like just knowing my own feelings of loss and like the depth of like hurt and how much like like I am forever impacted by losing her and you know I'm not a royal unfortunately (laughs) wish I was um (laughs) things would be a little bit easier I will say um but losing somebody that has that impact on you like it doesn't go away it will never go away and you find ways to make it work but it just it breaks my heart like the lack of compassion we have for one another in those scenarios and because i mean selfishly it's also like people can meet me and and see my flaws and not understand like i mean i'm sure i'd still be flawed if my mom wasn't dead but like you know not understand like uh, the things that are wrong with me most of them come from this place of hurt and this this awful loss that i suffered and like some people would be like oh it was years ago it's like yeah but it doesn't like it doesn't really matter. I wish it did. It doesn't. Um, so my long <laughs> rambling uh, point here is just, yeah, watching that struck me really deeply. And yeah, because I, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be the same person. I don't even know who that person was. I mean, you know, when you're so young, when something like that happens, Again, like my mom didn't pass away until I was older, but she got sick when I was 12. And you're and still very, 19 is pretty young. Yeah. But even at 12, it's like she had cancer and it was stage four when she was first diagnosed. And you're, I was in a family where I was surrounded by boys who didn't talk about it. And that does some damage. Mm-hmm. Um, it all does damage. And you try to grow up and you try and figure out the ways in which you can escape from it but you never really can and it's always going to inform like the fabric of who you are and at a certain point you have to come to terms with it but at the same time it's it's so hard when people aren't kind about it aren't understanding Mm -hmm. about it and they become understanding if they go through something similar oh very quickly (laughs) they become very understanding um but it was just really heart-wrenching for me to watch all the privilege that he has just you could see the pain Mm -hmm. in him yeah and the fact that he never was able to process what happened because of the public eye on him and the weight that that carried and of course again of course he's so privileged he has money he has all these things but I, I you know the the pain and the grief written on his face um no no one is immune from that and I think that in combination with the like fucked up racism that Meghan Markle felt like these two people were just treated so unkindly and continue to be like treated so unkindly it's like why are we doing this like Mm -hmm. why can't we understand that people go through shit and are and why can't we not be racist pieces of shit you know like yeah yeah i don't know rambly point but um no it was it was it was hard to watch at certain times like i you know i had a hard time 
um, getting through that 60 minutes interview, especially in the beginning, because I was just yeah. like, oof, like that is, it's rough. It's rough. Yeah. Um, you don't get over a loss like that. And see, you know, and, and so many people go through that and seeing mm-hmm. what he went through and how unkind people were it reflected on my own life and you got so many other people um it sucks you know we i mean the moral yeah. of the story is we all need to be better to each other but like when the fuck is that moral ever <laughs> gonna be respected you know hopefully hopefully i mean i can see differences in treatment not with harry and megan but generally press treatment for instance like we grew up with the people magazines of the early aughts mm-hmm. and um, things have changed generally sure. yeah. Uh, towards kindness, at least. And I think, sadly, it's had to happen because of recent reflections on, like, wow, how did we treat Britney Spears? How did we treat the yeah, R. Kelly tape? Growing like, remember you know? growing up in those years? Oh yes. I mean, yeah. that was that was crazy. I mean, and I, I, I don't know why this one always comes out, sticks out to me, but I feel like it's there is a, a vein of similarity here, which is that like looking back after watching the surviving R Kelly documentary, I was like, I at a very young age, like, or whatever, middle school knew that R Kelly had a P tape. It was like a joke, like P the yeah, P tape. And funny. that was that, but that meant that all the adults that knew this knew that it was an underage, like child mm-hmm. that he was, urinating on like and how was that allowed to be a pop culture joke for like fucking years like this man was a lot anyway so I feel like that's that that is the tone in which like Harry was getting you know pilloried by the press and not feeling like he hasn't had any space to he of course he wouldn't want to talk about it and also he's he's a a a British man I know know, like God, you he didn't, didn't get yeah. more buttoned up. He's <laughs> trying to cry. Like, I mean, and like you, and we, I think I forget if we talked about this here earlier, but the depths of, I mean, to say, and I'm glad that he did admit, like, the, that he was thinking there was a part of him that just couldn't accept that she was, that she was, in fact, uh, dead. I mean, yeah, whew. that's something we talked about before. Yeah, that, that is something I didn't realize, which is something I, I appreciate this. When I watched this, I wasn't, I was looking in, I wanted to watch it to hear what he had to say. I wasn't watching it and it's like, oh, my mom died too. But when he talked about this feeling for years that she wasn't really dead and that she just wanted to get away from it and that she was going to come back, I have like recurring nightmares that my mom isn't really dead and that she just wanted to get away from stuff and that and we have like these confrontations in my dreams where I'm like bitch where were you <laughs> she's like I had shit to do I'm back you know and I wake up and I'm like no she's like she's not coming back and it's it's been like more than 10 years and I still I still have a hard time believing it and I'm not a kid you know I'm a grown-ass woman I've got my own kid but it's and it's hard to talk about because you know there's no there's no solution um but it was something where when I watched that I was like oh my god like that is that is something that when people lose someone they go through and it makes so much sense that that's like a common reaction and sort of coping mechanism that people take but I just thought it was crazy having these like and I hate when I have those dreams because 
you have a dream and they're still there and you wake up and they're not you know Um, here come the i told you it was gonna happen eventually (laughs) um but it's so i mean this isn't about me but it is so hard to lose somebody that you love that much who you expect to be in your life for a long time then they're not and the rationalities you come up with and the, the ways in which it fucks you up um just i feel like probably go on forever and then but people don't really understand and then you're like on this island and um again i don't have like castles <laughs> to help or like cottages to help me out like maybe that would help um yeah but you know at the end of the day it's just it's it's an awful thing it's it's not something that you just go through it's something that like becomes you um and no matter like what background you come from or how privileged you are um losing like because it sounded like diana was his best friend and like his dad was a distant figure and his mom is the one who brought him and his brother together. Um, and then when you lose that, like, you're losing so much more than a person. I mean, one, you're losing who that person would be in your life for the rest of your life, who that person would be to your children, who that person would be to your friends, who that person would be to you, how you would get through hard times, like, leading on them um, when the remaining members of your family are, like, maybe shit men. Um, <laughs> there's just, there's so much that goes into it. And even though there's so much privilege that he has, I will always feel for him because of how, like I, he's not like people are talking about how he's a narcissist. He's making shit up. He's not fucking making shit up. Yeah. He doesn't, you don't watch somebody to say that and explain those feet. Like he's not, he's not making it up. I can, I can promise you all. Um, But it's, you know, and he talked about how he was searching for for meaning and for happiness and he finally found it um with megan and then the world cut her down and then she was suicidal and he was like i'm gonna lose her the same way i lost my mom and like how can you not have empathy for that yeah you know like what's wrong with us where's our empathy um even if you know i'm not like a royal stan but Mm -hmm. fuck yeah Ah. oh man no I think that that's I think that's so I think that's beautifully put and it's the only I think it it feels like the only way to see Harry and 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 understand is is to approach it with kindness and see that everything in his life is through the lens of that loss which it of course I mean the first I fell asleep listening to the first chapter and it was of his book and it was Mm -hmm. All, it was talking about like his grandfather's death, but it was really like, or like the scene setting was his grandfather's death, but it was like, my grandfather always loved my mom. Like he always advocated for her. He saw a spark in her. So it was mm-hmm. like, even in that scene setting, it was like really only about his grandfather insofar as his grandfather, like was an ally to his mother, which just was like, this is, I mean, and I, I fell asleep pretty early, but like, I was just <laughs> thinking, oh, we're, we're kicking it off with, I mean, your whole life, understandably, this it this is the story of your the story of his life is the story of his loss. Um, 
Yeah, which is, I think, something that people don't understand when it happened a long time ago. It's like you, yeah. you can be shaped by something that happened decades ago. Um, and I think there's this idea, like I said earlier, it's like there's this idea, like, get over it, move on, you know, go through the stages of grief. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, like certain things stick to you and become part of you and part of why you, the worst things about you and the best things about you. Um, and you know, I got, I have, and I remember actually growing up, my mom talking shit about Perry and being like, like he needs to get it together. (laughs) It's funny for me to look back on because she was like a William stan. She was a a royal enthusiast. Wow. She thought William was so much more put together, you know? Oh my gosh. That's so funny. I know. And now it's like, girl. Mm. Wow. (laughs) But Wow. (sighs) well it's an emotional yeah emotional topic and I'm glad that you I'm glad that you shared and uh thanks Bill. you know yeah there's I'm always I wish but we were doing this in person so I could give you a huge hug I would love a hug um you she refuses me hugs people Uh, (laughs) she says it's because she's on the other side of the country (laughs) how rude (laughs) rude. the audacity honestly oh oh man I mean well I'm hoping that tomorrow tomorrow listeners is uh my birthday birthday. also my mother's birthday isn't that just awful I mean like in turn of in a (laughs) It's honestly, it does suck. And then the day she died is like a week later. Yeah. All right, January. Here we are, Capricorn New Year. Uh, yeah. Don't <sighs> don't love it. No, it's not great. It's not a great. Uh, there are lots of layers. Lots mm-hmm. of this is a many layered shit onion. Um, exactly. It's not a cake. It's a shit it's, onion. It's a shit onion. It's not cake. And uh, it's tough that it's, I mean, I, I guess really every month is not the month that you want any of this, but January is tough because so many people are projecting, you know, what their future, what they're going to like resolutions and new year, new you and all that. And like, it feels like you fall right into a, a life quagmire right away, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think. I mean, I don't know how you have, av- there's no way to avoid that because you're a li- living, breathing, wonderful person with a uh, heart, a deep heart, you know. I that- try to ban calendars from anywhere I am, but it's, <laughs> it hasn't caught on. It hasn't worked yet in the it's hospital? It's February, you guys. <laughs> no, honey, it's not. It's February. <laughs> hey, as a uh, Groundhog Day birthday, I'm happy for us yeah, to start exactly. with February. I know, like, let's get to January. Maria's birthday. It's fun. <laughs> We're here. It's wonderful. Um, we don't need January. Oh, my goodness. We don't. Uh, all right. Well, I yeah. think... We should probably. Yeah, we're not going to we see you again because we've had enough to talk about. You know, y'all. we have. We have. We'll, uh, you know, now we'll have a nice. I, I actually feel like we should have a we see you like a whole episode of them because at this point yeah, I have such a long sticky I know, note. I've got lists. We should just do like rotations. Now the listeners mm-hmm. get to hear our whole brainstorm. But like. Mm-hmm. You're welcome like, for the we'll inside just, like, scoop. You know, like ping pong it back and forth. Our we see yous. Good for us. Good. Wow. Wow. Ugh, but no. Oh, well, I well 
I'm, you know, cry myself to sleep, but (laughs) I love you so much. And I'm so sorry that, you know, I'm just, yeah, I just, I'm so sorry that you are hurting in this way and that you have been, you know, well, you didn't kill her. Almost since I know you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, you met me a few months before. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a beautiful time <laughs> oh my god oh, we'll just dig up some yeah no I was just about to say some photos like some 2010 photos I thought ah never mind uh, I, don't, I don't need to see who I was then I remember her well enough we were holding <laughs> you know presidency calendars uh, oh god or like placemats or something I don't know why we had those we were but- everything we needed to be in the moment <laughs> we are beautiful we were perfect we were grace we were this we were that um, uh, oh my gosh uh go watch something really cozy like nothing true crimey nothing bummer nothing no damien rice i haven't listened to damien rice in years maybe no I damien rice ask maybe music. i should put damien rice on <laughs> loudly tonight no. Until until midnight, until my birthday, and then just no. weep myself to sleep. <laughs> That's a great idea, Maria. Wow, what a great friend. No. <laughs> great. I'll listen to Damien Rice on loop until I can't cry anymore because my tears have dried up. Oh. I'll just shrivel into a little ball and uh no, I'll I'll I don't know. Will Farrell, I'll find something. It's fine. Charlie's downstairs. Is he playing video- He's he playing game- video games! Okay. Well, then maybe you should watch House of the Dragon. There's gruesome pregnancy stuff that happens in the first episode. (laughs) You know, I love that. (laughs) Well, I just figure if you're looking for something, my mom's dead. Maybe I should watch some gruesome pregnancy. (laughs) Wow, Maria, helpful. (laughs) No, I do want to watch that. You know, I was just giving you like a warning that it's interesting, but also dark. You know, I remember all the shit that came out when that came out, and they were like, "Oof." I am, yeah. I am curious. Maybe I will tune in. Ooh, I do want to finish White Lotus too. I watched the first oh, yeah. season. I've seen the first couple episodes of the second season. I've only watched the finished. first few episodes of the first season. I keep Campbell doesn't want to watch it, so I what? have limited time. Why don't boys want to watch it? He says it's too cringy for him. The audacity. <laughs> Jennifer Coolidge is a national treasure. I know. And... She's so good. Oh, have you seen Abbott Elementary? That's a fun one. Yes! I love it. It's such a good palate cleanser. It is the best palate cleanser of all. Like, it's watch a bunch of depressing shit, put it on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It'll get you where you need to be. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, have a blessed evening. Send me some pics of your dog, your cat, your fiance. I will. Oh, we should probably end this podcast for. Oh. <laughs> oh yes, that. <laughs> Feminist- Thanks. <laughs> Feminist without mystique is part of the Frolic <laughs> Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media/podcasts. Bye. Bye. We forgot a good thing. Oh, <laughs> the ozone layer is smaller, but I guess it's been that way. Yeah, it is. I I maintain that's a good thing. So, good for us. Loose episode. (laughs) Bye.